Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. This episode of Natural MD Radio is dedicated to the moms and dads who have crying colicky babies. I have been there. My oldest, who's now 28, didn't truly meet the definition of colic, which I'll tell you about in in a minute. So I called it the sunset blues. But wow, I'll tell you, as soon as the sun went down at night, that girl went into fussing and crying for like two hours. And it was so distressing. You're a new parent. You're exhausted at that time of day. And now you've got this crying baby and it's scary and you don't know what's going on and you can't comfort them. So my heart goes out to you and my hope is that this episode will give you enormous reassurance, some things you can try to help your baby be more comfortable and some things you can do to be more comfortable yourself. is colic? Well, it's kind of funny. The definition of colic isn't really entirely defined. People define it for scientific studies, but in general, it's just persistent, excessive crying in a new baby. And like I told you with us, our baby just always kind of went into this thing at night, started when she was about six weeks old and lasted until she was not quite three months old. And we did a lot of things that I'm going to share with you today that helped, but it definitely went on a bit. And I certainly have learned a lot more that I help my families with because my kids were my guinea pigs. It's true. So we called it the sunset blues. And the fact of the matter is that however much your baby's crying, if it's excessive, it's one of the most distressing problems that you can have in an otherwise healthy mom, healthy baby. It's distressing for the baby. And anytime your baby's in distress, it's supposed to be distressing for you because baby's crying is meant to send our alarm bells off. It's how they survive. Their crying tells us they need care. The other thing is that if you don't know what's going on, it's very scary because you don't know if your baby is sick or if you're doing something wrong. The bottom line is that Generally, colic is benign. It's self-limiting. It does resolve over time. So how much crying is excessive crying? Well, all babies, whether or not they have colic, cry more during the first three months than at any other time. And looking at a meta-analysis of 24 studies kept of parents keeping crying diaries of their babies, the average amount of crying was about 110 to 118 minutes a day. It's like two hours a day during the first six weeks of life. And then it went down to a little bit over an hour by day 10 to 12. And it varied, of course, from infant to infant. And there's no real definition of what's considered excessive. Every baby has his or her own temperament, but it's actually considered really normal for babies to cry anywhere from 42 minutes to two hours a day. So there is no strict definition of what's too much in an otherwise generally healthy baby. As I mentioned, there's no 
formal definition of what colic is, but generally it's thought to be crying for no apparent reason that lasts more than three hours a day, happens more than three days a week in an otherwise healthy infant less than three months. So it's the rule of threes, three hours a day, three days a week, baby less than three months. And the estimates on how many babies have colic is really wide, anywhere from eight to 40%. And the reason for that is moms can assume their baby's crying is normal and not consider it colic, or other moms might consider it colic when it isn't colic and it's just sort of normal baby crying. So there's lots and lots of variation in what's considered colic by parents. There are lots of proposed causes of it, and I'm going to go through the top ones. Faulty feeding techniques, which means babies underfeeding or overfeeding or not getting burped often enough or swallowing air. There can be cow milk protein intolerances and also lactose intolerance. There can just be some general immaturity in the gastrointestinal system. The baby's digestive system hasn't learned to regulate its motility, so it can move in kind of spastic ways. It can move a little bit too fast and can cause discomfort for the baby. Some other theories include increased serotonin, a lot of your gut is lined with nervous system and a lot of your serotonin, which is a neurotransmitter that affects mood, is actually produced in the gut. And some studies have found that babies with colic have greater amounts of serotonin than babies that don't. And there may be some role that serotonin concentrations play in the development of colic. Moms who smoke in pregnancy or in the postpartum have an increased risk of babies having colic. That could be for any number of reasons. It could be the tobacco or nicotine itself. It could be that the mom has a higher level of anxiety. That may be because she has, let's say, gut dysbiosis problems or just a higher level of anxiety due to certain genetic predispositions that she has, and the baby may have picked those up as well. Early form of migraine is another theory that infantile colic may be an actual manifestation of childhood migraine. And then another theory is just that babies at the end of the day are hypersensitive after a long day of exposure to stimuli in their environment. And so they're just discharging energy. And that's a way that they keep emotional and physical homeostasis. Now, one of the kind of leading theories, and the reason it's a leading theory is that it's supported by some of the strongest studies, is alterations in gut microbiome. And I've talked about that in previous podcasts. I talk about that a lot in my course, Allergy Epidemic, because we know that disruptions in baby's microbiome, whether that's due to being born by C-section, being exposed to antibiotics, not being breastfed, there are numerous reasons when that early microbiome doesn't form optimally, interestingly, it can cause a lot of disruption in the gut that causes discomfort and spasms and digestive problems, but also it changes the mood. Our gut brain axis is what it's called, has a massive impact on what our emotions are. It also has a tremendous impact on the development of what's called the HPA axis, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. And that axis, when it doesn't get 
properly stimulated by an optimal microbiome actually increases our sensitivity to emotional and psychological stress. So babies, they may have a lower stress set point and just may be more easily triggered and more emotionally sensitive, partly because of that. So remember earlier, I said colic is a benign condition that the baby usually outgrows it. Well, the baby always outgrows it actually, but we do want to keep in mind, and this is not meant to be sort of scary or the sky is falling, but that a subset of babies who do develop colic have a predisposition to developing some other problems, including allergic disorders, asthma, eczema, what's called atopic conditions, and also food allergies. And likely this harkens back to the gut disruption that may be the underpinning for some of these babies who have colic. So I don't want you to be overly worried about that. And most babies are just going to outgrow it and not have any problems. But it is good to think about treating for gut disruption, because like I said, that's sort of the underlying connection or the thread between the development of colic and those later conditions called the atopic march, which is a march from colic to possibly eczema to possibly allergies, possibly asthma, and even food allergies. And we'll talk about how to address that in just a minute. So one of the things I want to jump back to is this mind-body connection. Think of all the expressions that we use to describe stress and the gut. I feel it in my gut. I can't stomach this. This makes me sick to my stomach. Even just the more gentle butterflies in our stomach when we're nervous about something. Stress has a tremendous impact on the gut and the gut has a tremendous impact on our ability to tolerate stress. So it's a bi-directional situation. Now, it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. And in fact, colic is not a reflection of parents doing anything wrong at all. It's just that babies are really busy integrating a lot of new sensory information. And I'm sure if you have more than one child or if you've spent any time around children, you know that every child has a different temperament. And some kids are just really, really sensitive types. And these kids may be more predisposed to feel what's going on in the environment in their gut and also just their greater general sensitivity as part of their temperament or even even their genetic inheritance and their ability to handle and detoxify stress hormones because of various genes that are involved in that may predispose them to a little bit more sensitivity to not only their environment, but to what's going on in their gut. So one of the things that I recommend is looking at this for your baby as just the baby's really doing his or her best to integrate being in a new environment, having a lot of new sensory stimuli, the entire environment. We think this baby was floating around in a really nice sack of amniotic fluid, pretty cushy, and all of a sudden, wow, you know, hits the world and has to now start digesting food and integrating what's going on around. And it can be a lot. And so I think of this as sort of just a part of the process of incarnation for some babies who have a little bit harder time with that. It's also really important to remind yourself this is not your fault, even if you have to keep saying that over and over and over. You know, I have had moms with colicky babies, educated moms who have money, good relationships, lots of support, no like major social stressors, tell me that when their baby was crying night after night after night after night, it was the first time in their life 
that they could ever understand how someone could shake a baby. And if you've had a colicky baby, that thought may have passed your mind too. And it's a scary thought. And and when you think about it, you know, you read these crazy reports in the newspaper and what does somebody say? Well, the baby just wouldn't stop crying. So remembering that this is not your fault and that this is not going to be the last time in your child's life that your baby or your child or your young adult has pain or stress that you can't fix. You just can't fix it right then and there. But you can look at parenting as my friend and family doctor Ben Kligler says, that this is really part of a spiritual journey. And how do we learn to hold space for our children and be there for them and comfort them without internalizing it, without taking it personally so that we can support them and help them through challenging times. And just thinking about that spiritual journey starting now can be transformative. It can take you out from under the experience and make you more kind of a witness and space holder for your experience and for your baby. Now, hearkening back to what I said about the gut-brain axis, it's really fascinating that there's this whole field of research going on looking at using probiotics as what are called psychobiotics. We know that using probiotics in adults and children, and even in experimental studies with baby mice, giving a probiotic actually increases emotional resilience, increases bonding and attachment in the baby mice, and also for adults reduces anxiety and depression. So not that baby's going through anxiety and depression, but we know that there's some disruption going on that's connecting the physical experience to the emotional experience. And some of it may be pain, but some of it may actually be emotional distress. Obviously nobody knows because we can't really ask babies, but it doesn't seem based on studies that have been done that it's just a matter of pain. There's definitely more going on than that. So reminding yourself that this is going to resolve, this this too shall pass, it will end by the time your baby's three or four months old, that if everything else checks out okay, and it's okay if you feel like you need to go to the pediatrician, family doctor, your primary care provider, just to get a checkout to make sure baby's okay, that's reasonable. Make sure you're feeding baby enough and not overfeeding. If you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding, burping baby, all the basic things. And just, again, I can't reiterate this enough. Remind yourself, this is not your fault. Your baby is not rejecting you, even if your baby doesn't want to nurse right then. And it's just really, really difficult to soothe babies when they're going through this. You could try everything. You can try all the best things. And eventually the baby's going to wear out and fall asleep. And sometimes the things that you try are going to make a huge difference. And sometimes it's not going to make as much difference. And so I'm going to give you some tools you can use. But one of the biggest things you can do is soothe yourself and understand that feelings of anger, frustration, exhaustion, guilt, helplessness, those are all completely normal And I'll tell you, when I was a mama, young mama, 28 years ago, I felt all those things. And now I'm on the other side of it and can be here reassuring you and it will get easier. I do promise you that. And your baby's going to be fine. You have to just kind of get through this time. So here are some of the things that you can do. Again, remembering that your baby may be a sensitive type. That's not a bad thing. So kind of calming the environment down as much as you can. And then I love the work of Harvey Karp, his five S's, which are considering the baby as being in a fourth trimester. 
So keeping the baby close to you, lightly swaddling the baby, not tightly and not over swaddling and overheating, but lightly wrapping the baby, putting the baby on his or her side or in a stomach position over your arm, swaying the baby or swinging the baby lightly while going shh, shh in the baby's ear and giving the baby something to suck on. It can be your finger. It can be the breast, although a lot of babies in the midst of a colic episode will not take the breast. And in this case, a pacifier, you can get a BPA-free pacifier. I'm not a huge proponent of them, but there's a time. And this is definitely the time. If you're feeling overwhelmed and exhausted by your baby, your baby's miserable, you're miserable, the pacifier is totally worth it. Again, think about those parenting coping skills. How are you going to hold space for your baby? If you know that your baby typically cries a lot at a certain time of day, try to get some help. Have somebody there who can keep you company, trade off with your partner. If you're an indie mom, if you're doing it yourself as a single mom, have a friend or a family member who can help you, you know, teach them some of these skills so that they're not too overwhelmed and frustrated. Let them know you're not expecting them to calm the baby down. You just need a bit of a breather. I would tell you the most powerful, consistently effective technique I have ever used with my own baby and with hundreds and hundreds of families, if not thousands, is taking baby outside. It doesn't matter what time of year, as long as baby's dressed warm enough, but take baby outside. I would step over the threshold of my front door and my baby would stop crying. So it's a great time to put baby in the snuggly, in a rebozo, in a stroller, carry baby go for a nice walk. We actually used to take a walk with the baby. She'd calm down. And then for whatever reason, she loved the sound of us doing dishes. So we'd save all the dinner dishes. We'd go for a walk. We'd come in. By then she'd be calmed down. I'd put her on my breast. My husband would do the dishes while I was sitting there nursing the baby and she'd fall asleep. It was that kind of white noise sort of phenomenon. But don't forget, go outside. If you need to put a big sign somewhere in your house to remind you to go outside, because when you're in the middle of it, it's so hard to remember what to do. And frankly, sometimes if nothing's working and you're feeling your, just your shoulders are up at your ears because you're so stressed out, step away from the baby. Just step away from the baby. Put the baby down somewhere safe in a bassinet and just step away. Get a breather for yourself. Step on your front porch if you have a balcony, whatever you need to step on. Get away from the baby. Get some fresh air. Have some water. Sit down. Call a friend for 10 minutes. You know, keep an ear on baby. She or he is going to cry, but she's going to cry whether you're holding her or not. And you just may need a breather. And honestly, sometimes getting that breather and going back to the baby makes you more relaxed and a little bit more able to calm the baby down too. There are also some really wonderful things that you can do. Now, I want to say a word about diet before I get into supplements. Very few studies have shown that moms who are breastfeeding, who do an elimination diet, that it makes any difference. The one exception to that may be mom getting dairy in her diet. And of course, this is going to be different for every baby. I found that peanut butter bothered my baby. And it's funny because I never grew up eating peanut butter. I just didn't like it. And then I got cravings for it when I was pregnant, ironically. And then that one baby, she still can't tolerate peanut butter. It just gives her indigestion, even as an adult. So interesting. So when I was breastfeeding and I would eat it, she would get uncomfortable. So that was the one thing I found. I do recommend doing a short elimination diet, about five to seven days, taking out gluten and taking out dairy, 
Those are the two big triggers and seeing if it makes a difference. If it doesn't make a difference in a week, it's probably not going to. You can try peeling out other foods, but if you're breastfeeding, you need your nutrition and it often really doesn't make a huge difference. So give it a go, but don't knock yourself out going crazy over it. Now, if baby is formula feeding, replacing cow's milk with hypoallergenic formula is effective and replacing dairy formula with soy formula is not. The only switch out that's effective for formula is going to hypoallergenic and that can make a difference. Now, there have been a number of studies looking at giving babies probiotics and this is shown to be an effective strategy for babies, particularly if they're breastfeeding and One of the things I recommend is because so many babies are going to be born by C-section, it's like 34% of babies. And we know that giving mom a probiotic in the last trimester can make a difference in whether baby develops colic. And also about 30% of babies are going to get some antibiotic exposure, if not through C-section, through mom getting an antibiotic during labor for group B strep. So I do recommend all moms taking a probiotic During the last trimester of pregnancy, make sure it contains lactobacillus and bifidobacterium strains, at least 10 million colony forming units a day. And then if baby is born by C-section or if you have had antibiotics, then go ahead and give baby a probiotic. Now, I don't usually recommend specific formulas or specific companies, but I will say that I use Claire Labs, which is, and they make a therbiotic infant, which is very easy to give to baby. You just dilute a little bit, about a quarter teaspoon in your breast milk or in the formula and give it to baby. And Jero, there are some other companies that Claire, you have to order through a practitioner, but Jero and some other companies also make infant formulas that you can use. And there are many good companies. Those are the ones that I just happen to use. So every baby, if they have colic, I give a probiotic. Every baby, if they're born by C-section, I give a probiotic. And the studies do confirm, and and I've seen it help tremendously in my practice. And I recommend doing that every day. For six months, if baby's been born by C-section or if you've had an antibiotic exposure or if baby's had any antibiotic exposure in that first few months of life. And then if your baby's colicky, I would give it through the time that the colic ends. But as I mentioned, since colic can be a harbinger of gut dysbiosis and problems to come, I often recommend just if baby's tolerating well, just keep it up for six months. Now, as you know, I'm an herbalist, and so herbs are often a part of my go-to, and there are a number of herbs that have been found to be beneficial for babies with colic. And the three big ones are chamomile, fennel, and ginger. Those can be given in tea. It's hard to give baby enough tea because you have to give it by dropper, and then you're giving a lot of liquid, and then that's supplementing in a way, kind of supplanting a little bit of the breast milk that baby would get. So what I actually recommend is getting products in extract form because they're very concentrated. You can give baby five or seven, up to 15 drops, and you can slip that dropper in right next to the nipple while baby's breastfeeding, or you can put it in a little water in a bottle if baby's taking a bottle instead of breast. There are a couple of companies that I'm going to mention only because they sell products specifically for kids, and they sell products that do include chamomile, fennel, and ginger, and that is Herb Farm and Gaia Herbs. And what I love about them is they sell all these herbs in glycerites in formulations for babies, and both companies put the dosing amount for babies by weight or by age on the bottle, so it makes it really easy for you. 
there have been a number of studies looking at the benefits of fennel, chamomile, and ginger, all finding benefits, significant improvement in colic compared to babies who weren't getting the treatment. And then another formula that you can get on the market, it's made in Europe, it's called Iberogast, I-B-E-R-O-G-A-S-T. And that actually has some bitters in it. And that has been shown to also be helpful. But you can also get some products that have a little bit of bitters in it. I, I typically recommend sticking with the chamomile, the fennel, and the lemon balm. But um, a pro- combinations including vervain, which is a bitter and a relaxant. It's a little bit like motherwort and also licorice, along with chamomile and lemon balm have been found to be very beneficial. I also recommend getting some motherwort. Motherwort is a wonderful herb that's been used for hundreds of years, for centuries, for moms. And the literal translation of motherwort means healing herb for mothers. And the Latin name is Leonoris cardiaca, which means lion-hearted. And you kind of need that when your baby's got colic. So get some of that and take it for yourself. When your baby's crying, if you're feeling irritable, you're feeling emotional, you can take 20 to 40 drops. You can't take it if you're pregnant. So if you've gotten pregnant, you know, early on, I know it's rare, but I've seen it happen. Hopefully that hasn't happened to you, but you can't take it while you're pregnant. But otherwise, if you're breastfeeding, totally safe, great for you and relaxing, and it'll help you while you're helping to support your baby. And finally, some manual therapies have been found to be very helpful. Now, I'm a huge proponent of infant massage, moms learning how to do it themselves. I'm going to have to do a video on that when I get my new website up, but that's going to be a bunch of months from now. But I bet if you went on YouTube, you can find videos of people doing infant massage. It's something that I did several times a week with all my babies. I just got the room warm, stripped them down naked, put them in my lap, got some nice coconut oil, put it on my hands. You can use almond oil and massage the baby, particularly massaging the belly in a clockwise motion. And you can do this during the colic episode and some babies really like it, or you can do it in the morning or in the afternoon and kind of help move that digestive system and regulate that digestive system motility a little bit. Other therapies that have been shown to be helpful are chiropractic care, osteopathic care, and I have some doctor friends who swear by craniosacral for babies with colic. So I want to sum this up for you. First of all, remember, this is not your fault. It will pass. Get outside, step away from the baby, give yourself a big hug. Try not to let the stress get between you and your partner. That can really happen. You could start blaming each other, getting irritable with each other. Get some help, but remember this will pass and it's not your fault. You can do some probiotics with the baby. I highly recommend that. Quarter teaspoon or so in your breast milk or in baby formula. If baby is getting milk or soy formula, shift to hypoallergenic formula. Remember the herbs, especially chamomile, ginger, and fennel for baby. You can do those in extracts. Makes it really easy. Five to seven drops, up to 15 drops. You can give one dose. You can repeat it 30 minutes later. Very, very safe. And then remember, finally, two things, the the five S's, light swaddling, side or stomach positions, shushing sounds like swaying or swinging and baby sucking on something. And then finally, the baby massage or craniosacral or another manipulative therapy that you can get help with. I hope this makes your enjoyment of your baby 
so much greater, takes the pressure off. If you have a baby with colic, if you're a midwife or childbirth educator or physician, nurse practitioner, anyone else listening to this, please feel free to pass this information on to the families that you work with because it can make such a huge difference in those first few months. And if you have found this helpful or think it would be helpful for someone else, please leave a comment on iTunes because iTunes loves those comments. And it means they're going to put those podcasts up front so lots and lots of other moms and parents can listen as well. Wishing you the best, most peaceful evening with your baby and evenings to come. Lots of love. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.